Welcome to At the Crossroads Church weekly podcast. Our hope is that you will grow in your walk with God and be blessed and encouraged in your daily lives as you listen. You can visit us at our website at atthecrossroads.ca. All right, so how many of you guys are ready for the word today? Yeah, awesome. Why don't we stand? We're just going to pray. I want to just lead you in a quick prayer and say, Heavenly Father, speak to my heart today, change my life, and help that preacher. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, today I want to start um, in Colossians, and I'm teaching today uh, out of the New Living, uh, going through some passages of Scripture. Uh, it was kind of funny because I was really praying about uh, what, what God would have me share. Uh, for me, it, it's hard for me to pull a, an old sermon and just preach something. I'm always looking for fresh man. I'm looking for something fresh uh, from God. So part of my message is a tie-in to uh, maybe three years ago when I was talking about the eagle. But God just downloaded this morning what he wanted me to share with you. Uh, so we're going to look at that together. In Colossians chapter uh, 1, verse 13, we'll bring it up on the screen. And this is, uh, Scripture says here, For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness. Uh, who has rescued us? Right. God has rescued us. And many times uh, we think that it's our own works, that we're going to rescue ourselves through our own um, uh, struggling for perfection. I, I got to get this right in my life. I got to get that right in my life. I have so many people I talk to and I ask them to come to church and sometimes they're not believers yet. And they say, well, I can't because I've got all of these issues in my life that I got to deal with. And when I deal with these issues, then I'll come to God. Because he's not, he's not going to receive me in the state that I am, okay? How many have ever felt that way, right? A lot of people feel that way when we talk to them. But as we're reading through Colossians, there's something that's very, very important to note, is that all of the work... See, see, covenant is conditional. God does his part, and we do our part. But the more I study the scripture, the more I see that God does like 99% of the work, Right? He asks a couple things of us, but he does most of the work, and, and all we have to do is step into it and believe it, right? And so it says here, uh, for he has, past tense, he did it 2,000 years ago at the cross. He rescued us from the kingdom of darkness, and he transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son, who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins, that word forgave is, and I think that the best thing you can learn if you're going to study the Bible, the most, most important thing you can take away is always study, is, is it past tense, is it present tense, or is it future tense, all right? And, and, and the, the thing is, he forgave us. Is that past tense? See, Jesus forgave us for all of our sins, and, and he's expecting us to realize that it's not of ourselves, lest any man might boast. It's, it's the grace of God that has come in. All we have to do is believe it and enter into that promise by faith. In whom we have redemption through his blood, we have the forgiveness of sins. Isn't that good news? So I want you to say this. He has purchased me with his blood. See, it's the work of God. It's what God has done for us, and then we need to enter into that by faith. Now look at this next verse here in Colossians chapter 1, uh, verse 20 uh, and 22. I just want to show you another passage here. It says, um, let's go to the right verse here. And through him God reconciled 
some things to himself. He's reconciled everything. Now, a lot of people don't realize that. A lot of people don't realize that God is not holding their sins against him. And he says, this is the ministry that we have. We have the ministry of reconciliation. We're supposed to go out and tell people, listen, hey, God's not holding his sin, your sin against you. Return to him. He's like the prodigal father. He's waiting for you to return. He's not holding your sin against you. Uh, But you do need to confess your sin, right? You do need to come to God. You need to accept by faith what he's done. But he's not not after you right now because he paid for your sin 2,000 years ago. And all you have to do is enter into relationship with him. By putting your faith in what he's already done. It's not a lot of work. See, a lot of Christians, it's like they're, um, they're cuckoo birds, right? And like they, they, they're flapping. Trying, you ever see a cuckoo bird try to fly? I mean, they just flap, 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 flap. And they come up a little bit and they come down. You know I mean, they're flapping, 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 flapping. And they're, you're exerting all this energy to get up. And God hasn't called you to be a cuckoo bird. He's called you to be an eagle. He wants you to soar on, the, on his spirit. Jesus said, he said, he said uh, to his disciples, he was talking to them, he said, listen, my, my yoke is easy. In other words, you're tied to me. A yoke would hold two animals together, and you'd go together. My yoke is easy, and my burden is heavy. Is that what he said? He said, my burden is light. And I, 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 I want you to know this, that the Christian walk If you're in relationship with God and you're living a life of faith, it should be easy. There's going to be a bit of burdens because life is not perfect, but it's an easy burden. It's a light burden. Ministry should be fun. Witnessing should be fun. It shouldn't be heavy. How many hear what I'm saying? Because of what he has done for us. Now, look at this. Okay. What verse was that here? Verse. And through him, say through him, him. God reconciled everything to himself he made peace with everything see see the earth the, the bible says that the land was defiled not only were we defiled because of sin but the land was defiled the, the the spirit realm everything was defiled and what happened was jesus reconciled he he, he brought everything to a place of peace and under his authority okay now let's look at verse 21 let's go to the next verse this includes you who were once far away from God, you were his enemies separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Say, I was separated from God. Say it together. Because of my evil thoughts and actions. Okay? And so this is very important. Next verse. Yet now. Say, yet now. So then now we're moving into the condition that you and I stand right now. How many here have accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Let me see your hand. Okay, if you haven't, we can pray with you at the end. No problem. But listen, yet now. Say yet now. Okay. He has reconciled you. So God the Father has reconciled you. You don't have to do anything. He's done the work. Isn't that good news? You don't have to strive to enter into his presence. You don't have to strive to, to, to reconcile yourself. You don't have to focus on, 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 on all your sin issues. You know what my pastor told me once? Years ago, a pastor that had, he said, you need to stop trying to stop sinning. And you, you need to start trying to fall in love with God. Because as you fall in love with God, you won't want to sin. Isn't that so true? It's birthed out of relationship, Okay. So, so he reconciled us to himself. And then look what it says here. 
through the death of Christ and his physical body, as a result, say, he has brought you into his own presence. So when we're worshiping God on a Sunday morning or at your home and you're sitting on the john and you're singing to God, wherever you sing, all right, and, and you're just singing to God, the Bible says he brings you into his presence. And so why are you striving to enter his presence when he's brought you there? It just takes the weight off, right? He brought you into his own presence and you are his and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him with a few faults left. You got some issues you still got to deal with, right? No, no, look what he says. And you are holy and blameless. Say it with me. Say, I'm holy, I'm blameless, and I stand before him with a single fault. Isn't that awesome? That's how God sees you. And you say, well, I'm still struggling with issues. Yeah, I know, so am I. There's still temptations that come. There's still areas we're working on. But God looks at you through the finished work of the cross, and he says, you're holy, you're blameless, and you can enter into my presence, and you can just come before my throne of grace in time of need, and I'll give you grace. Amen? Amen. Isn't that good news? That God sees us, and so there's this striving in the body of Christ. I need to get to this place. i got to deal with all my issues, and there's striving and digging and working. And, and I'm telling you that sometimes there's areas the Spirit points at in our lives that we need to deal with. But you need to begin to see yourself the way God sees you. Holy. Blameless. Isn't that good news this morning? Yeah. You know... So it's simple. Say this. Say, he reconciled me to himself. He brought me into his presence. And he made me holy and blameless. Now let's look at verse 23. Because this is where we mess up. Right? How many want to see where we mess up? Because that's important here. I'm just looking for my passage here. Okay. Here's our condition. So remember I said God does 99% of the work, right? Well, God is doing all this stuff, and this is what we need to do. This is our part. But you must continue to believe this truth and stand firm in it. And I don't know about you, but when people first come to Christ, and when I first came to Christ, it was like I just felt like God had totally washed me and cleansed me. I lost my interest in the things that were evil, and my language changed. I stopped watching certain movies. I started hanging out with new. I wanted to go to church. All of these amazing things happened. I thought, hey, God loves me, and he's made me right with him. How many know what I'm talking about? But as time progressed, I began to, begin to focus on the fact that, you know, may, maybe I have to work harder. Maybe i got to deal with these issues in my life. Maybe I'm not, I, I'm not approved of God. And we begin to stop going to God in prayer because we feel, I've I got to deal with some issues first. How many hear what I'm saying? And so what we need to do when we're struggling is we need to run into his presence. Not run from God, but run to God. Amen? See, when Adam was in the garden, God came out and asked him, Adam, where are you? Now, do you know that God actually knew where Adam was, right? And Adam said, I, I hid myself because I'm naked and I'm ashamed. And what happens is when we do mess up, we feel shame. And the shame causes us to kind of to, to, to push away our relationship with the Lord. instead of. And, and the one thing I learned that has been a salvation for me is through my life is that when I have messed up, I've turned and ran to God. 
sometimes in tears, sometimes just falling on my face saying, God, I need you right now, Lord. I've sinned against you. And, I, and, and, I, and I've prayed like this. And immediately the Bible says he gives you grace and he gets you up again. And so the enemy, see, the enemy wants to keep you from going to God. How many hear what I'm saying? Well, you've messed up. So you can't go to God till you clean up your stuff. I hear that all the time. And it doesn't work that way because we need the grace of God. For we've all sinned and fallen short of his glory. And it's only by the salvation only comes by the name of Jesus and by putting our faith in the finished work of the cross. Amen? So where were we here? Like, so, so here he says here, you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. So we need to continue to believe the truth that, hey, God has already forgiven me. God has already washed me. God has already brought me into his presence. So when the thoughts come that are contrary to that, saying, no, you're not worthy, you're not good enough, the Bible says you've got to pull those thoughts down and say, no, God says I'm good enough. Amen? God says I'm worthy. And so we have to learn to battle those thoughts. So say, I got to believe the truth and stand firm in it. And then it says, don't drift away from the assurance that you have. It's so amazing because it's so easy to drift away. You know, I was at the beach the other day and I was swimming with the kids and I noticed this lady on, a, like she was laying on one of those uh, little air mattresses thing and I think she fell asleep because she was like way, like she was out, the boats are going around her and stuff and I thought... Should I say something? I said, no, no, I'll just, she'll wake up eventually, right? And so uh, she's just floating out there, like way out there, right? Um, and if it was the ocean, I'd be concerned, but she's up floating there. And I thought, you know, what happens when you fall asleep, you can drift. And many times we can fall asleep in our faith and fall asleep and, and we're, not, uh, we're not being aware. We're not, we're not reading the word. We're not praying. We're not spending time with God. And it's like it, we begin to drift, and we wake up. And we're like, where in the world am I? Like, where's the shore of God's faithfulness? Like, where, where am I? Right? And we need to remember that. We have to always realize that we don't want to drift. We want to be anchored behind the veil in the Holy of Holies to the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. And so don't drift away from the insurance you have. And here's, here's the issue. So the first issue that we have as believers is we stop believing the simple truth of the gospel that God did it all. And that it's by faith. That's the number. Of, and here's the second. I'm going to show you the other part that we mess up. In second, Colossians chapter 6, uh, chapter 2, verse 6 to 15. Okay? And I'm going to actually... Go to verse 11, because there's a lot of reading there. Go down to verse 11. Okay. When you came to Christ, you were circumcised, but not by a physical procedure. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision, the cutting away of your sinful nature. Now, we understand circumcision uh, from the perspective of uh, the Jewish tradition uh, that God had asked Abraham to circumcise everybody. We understand that. But circumcision is really the cutting off of excess flesh. And I'm not trying to get gory. And it helped a lot in the war times because they were in the trenches and infections would happen. So that's why uh, circumcision became a big thing, uh, you know, in, in these um, other nations is because it was is a way to keep people safe, a cutting off so that there wouldn't be infection, okay? So I'm not trying to gore anyone out, but this is the issue, okay? And so it says here, for you were, okay, so Christ performed a spiritual circumcision. He cut off the flesh. Look what it says here, Okay. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision, the cutting away of your sinful nature. Say, my sinful nature has been cut away. 
And I hear so many Christians saying, well, my sin nature, it's my, I'm saved, but I have a sin nature. No, your sin nature was cut away in Christ. Say, my sin nature's gone. So you need to understand that, right? Look, look what he says here. For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized. And with him you were raised to new life because you trusted in the mighty power of God. And God is raising, he wants to raise up a people who have faith in the mighty power of God, trust in the simple gospel message that the resurrection power of God will deliver you from all things. Now look what it says. He raised Christ from the dead. And it says here, verse 13, you were dead because of your sin, because what? Your sinful nature was not yet cut away. And look what he says here. And then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all your sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us, and he took it away by nailing it to the cross. Okay, in this ways, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities who had access to your life to control your life and to bring you to hell. And he shamed them publicly by this victory over them on the cross. Isn't that awesome? And then it goes on to say, don't let anyone condemn you anymore. Amen? This is, this is good news, guys. This is the gospel of salvation that you don't have to go around letting your a sin nature that doesn't exist anymore control you. Am I not reading the Bible? Do you guys not see what I'm saying here? And so, are we still tempted? Absolutely. We're going to be tempted but it, by sin that comes up from within sometimes. Um, so we have temptation here and there, but we're not controlled by sin. I, I remember before I was a Christian, I couldn't help certain things. How many would agree? The way I talk, I couldn't help it. You know, the way I responded to people, I couldn't help it. The, the appetites, they drove me, sinful appetites just drove me. I couldn't control it. When I got saved, sometimes I'd get tempted to go back to those things, but it felt so nasty I had enough strength to get away from it. How many hear what I'm saying? Because the sin nature, the thing that drove you was cut off, right? And so what happens somehow is if we lose our, our confidence in, in the fact that God has done all of this, the simple confidence in Jesus Christ and the power of the gospel, we begin to drift back into the things we used to do. Does this make sense to anybody? How many can remember a time when everything just seemed to be really easy? Nobody can remember that? You know, there's a time when you first become a Christian, it's like, it's like God shows up. Every prayer you pray, God answers. Every time, you know, you're going through a tough time and you talk to someone, they have the right answer. The sermons, people are preaching and you're listening to the message. It doesn't matter where you are. It's like, yeah, I'm hearing God. I think my life is being changed. And it's like, yes. And, you know, you you just say the name of Jesus in the presence of God. How many know what I'm talking about? And then suddenly you go into a season where it's like, where's God? Like, what's going on? The sermons are boring. You know, my life's not changing. Uh, my prayers, you know, are dull. What's going on? How many want to know the answer to that? Okay, so I'm going to take a few minutes to talk about that. You need to understand the process of God. And so I'm going to take a few minutes to explain that. And what I want to do is I want to use the eagle to help you understand. There's something about eagles and God talks about the eagles in the scriptures. And here's some amazing facts about eagles. I'm not going to get into the whole, uh, all these facts, at least this week. Number one, eagles have awesome eyesight. Did you know that? They have like, I have 20-20 vision, last time I checked. They have four times 20-20. So four times 20-20. That's amazing. They can see a rabbit from a mile away. They just, oh, there's my target, and they go for it. They have amazing eyesight. Eagles can fly directly towards the sun. Did you know that? Eagles have two sets of eyelids. 
So they have one that's kind of like uh, sunglass visors, and then they just go towards the sun, right? And nothing, no enemy can chase them towards the sun. They'll burn out their retinas. And I think that's a lesson for us. If we're going to be eagle Christians, when we, like I just said before, when you mess up, fly directly to, into the sun. And whatever's following you will be burnt out. Go directly to God. Go directly into your prayer life. Go directly after Jesus, right? Go directly into the sun. The next thing eagles have, and what eagles do is they preen themselves. You know what preening means? They clean themselves with their beak. And we don't have time to get into what, there's a whole teaching on that. Number four, eagles set their nests in high places. Do you know why they set their nests in high places? Because they can feel the warm air coming. And when they feel the warm air rise, they realize there's a wind draft. And then they launch out of their nest, and they open their wings, and they catch the wind, and they soar. And it's very little work. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. And if we would set our eyes on things above, when we set our eyes on the things of heaven, we think about God. We're setting ourselves in a high place. And all God wants us to do is wait for the wind of his spirit. And we launch off, and we can soar. And we have a good view because we're really, really high. And we look down and we see other people like flap, 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 trying to, you know, trying to move around. And we're just like, hey, this is easy. This is easy peasy. And you're soaring around. Why? Because you're riding on the wind of God's spirit. And, and, and God just makes it easy for you. Amen? And that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to, to say, okay, what's God doing in a situation? And then launch into it and let him soar and carry you through it, okay? Go to Deuteronomy 32.11. Now, God is talking to uh, the Hebrews. Now, how many know he delivered them? through Moses' leadership out of the, the hand of Pharaoh in Egypt. You guys know the story. It's obvious, the Red Sea, all that stuff. And this is, what, this is the song of Moses. This is part of it, verse 11. As an eagle stirs up its nest and hovers over its young, spreading out its wings, taking them up, carrying them on its wings. Okay? That's, that's awesome. This is what God is doing. He's saying, I'm going to do this. It sounds really nice, isn't it? But it's actually quite scary. What's happening here, okay? As an eagle stirs up its nest, hovers over its young, spreading out his wings, taking them up, carrying them on its wings, so God delivered the children of Israel. That's how he did it. So we're going to talk about what that actually means, that passage of Scripture. Most people don't understand what's really happening there. And so I'm going to tell you here. God wants to raise us up so when it comes to a time to let us go, we will have been nurtured and prepared to soar on the wings of his spirit, okay? The eagle starts off as a very scrawny, bug-eyed, little creature, and grows to, grows up. The wing muscles have to develop. They do not instinctively know how to fly. They have to be taught, and they learn by watching their parents soar in the sky around them and sees them swooping down for food and bringing it home. And, and you know what? God wants us. See, we get to a place in our life. It's not that God's not there, but he's, he's swirling around, and he's, he's watching so that we can watch him. Amen? And watch how he does it. And so, so, so these little eaglets watch the parents and watch how they get food and watch how they bring food back home. And so that we can learn to be like God. Matthew chapter 5, verse 43 and 48 said, Jesus said, you've heard the law, what it says, love your neighbors, hate your enemies. But I say, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting like true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good, sends rain okay, on the just and the unjust alike. Isn't he a good God? Amen. Amen. And so this is what he, he, we have to imitate God. And I say, I don't know how to imitate him. Well, read the Gospels because Jesus came and said, this is what the Father's like, right? And start to imitate him. Live like Jesus, share his love. You'll begin to see 
what the Father's like. Amen? And so we're like these little eaglets. We're watching the Father as he's doing this kind of stuff. So look, listen to this. Eagles find their prey, which is always fresh meat, and they place it in a nest a little distance from their baby. A little eaglet strengthens its legs to get to the food and then learns how to tear off little bits and pieces by itself. As the baby eats remarkably, the mother sits on the edge of the nest and flaps her wings. So the baby begins to copy mommy and flaps its wings while eating. And here's a lesson to be learned as Christians. We don't want to just, uh, we don't, we, we don't just want to eat. We want to start flapping. Amen? And, and so many times it's easy to okay, I'm going to read my Bible verse for the day. I've done my deed. And you go and you just put it down. But you don't flap. Faith without works is dead. The Bible says I'm to love my enemies. Say, God, how, give me an enemy to love today. Who can I love today? And start flapping. Start using your wings. Because the nourishment comes so that you can fly. Not so you can sit and get fat. Because if you get, sit and get fat in your nest, guess what? You're not flying. You're going to die in that nest. And God wants you to flap your wings and fly. Okay? Say, don't just eat. Flap. Amen. So the mother hovers over the nest, creates a downdraft, which lifts the little chick off its feet, and amazingly, it finds itself flying for a moment in the nest. And then it drops back down. It's adventurous and fun, and the baby hardly realizes that it's even flown. But from the moment it's born, the mother is teaching it to be independent. And here's the thing. From the moment you're born of God, God is teaching you to be independent. And, and we think we're all children of God, but you know what? You can be an adult child too, right? Like I said before, it's, it's not cute if you're changing your kid's diaper and they're 17. It's just not cool anymore, right? It's, it's cute when they're little. But the whole purpose of parenthood is to take a child and to raise them up to independence. And that's what God is trying to do with us. He's trying to get you to a place where he has to provide for you and take care of you like you're his, his little child to the place where you're in partnership with him doing damage to the devil's kingdom. And the relationship is still intimate, but it changes. Right? And so people get messed up because they're like, where's God? Why is he flying around me, man? Like, why is he in the nest feeding me like he always did? Right? And we start to panic. But God is doing something. He's, he's, he's flying around. He's preparing us uh, to, to be independent on our own. The little eaglet has cracked its own way into the world, okay? Um, is strengthening its legs, tearing its own meat, testing its wings, and the mother is hovering. Then for long stretches of time, the mother will leave her baby alone. Every baby child needs to have some time in a place where the mother is not there or the father. Parenting is not about holding on so tightly to your child for as long as you can, but about gradually letting them go so they'll be able to fly on their own. And so they leave for long periods of time. So the chicklet's sitting there going, this is not cool. I'm uncomfortable. Where's mama? Where's daddy? Right? And, and they start thinking, I got to try to get food for myself or I'm going to die. And, and there's something about that because maybe if you're sitting in church and saying, the word isn't speaking to me anymore. I used to come every Sunday and hear a passage, and it would carry me through till Saturday night. And then I'd hear another sermon, and it would carry me through. To sa- well, maybe God says, I'm going to shut off whatever's flowing out of the pastor, so you have to come to me yourself because I want to have a relationship with you. Maybe you need to start having your own, preaching your own sermons to yourself on Monday morning. Amen. <laughs> And so this is a little challenging, but it's good because God, God wants us to learn to fly on our own. Say amen. amen. All right. Okay. So um, letting go is against our instinct, really. And uh, all we need to do, um, we want to do is protect our kids. And so here's, here's the amazing thing. Can I go on? You guys okay? Okay. So the amazing thing that eagles do to teach their babies to fly is to simply, you're going to like this, stop feeding them. Stop feeding them. <laughs> 
Amen? So, you know, even in the natural, when your kids begin to grow up and they get their own job and they're living in your house, that's, that's okay. But you know what? Maybe you're going to pay for your own cell phone now. My son's sitting in the front. I don't think he likes that. But <laughs> maybe you got to pay a little bit of rent. You know, maybe you pitch in a little bit here more financially. And, and that would seem harsh to the, the teenager, but, but you realize that it's the best thing for them because it's going to cause them to realize that there's expenses. In the, how many hear what I'm saying? And God is the same way. He wants us to realize that we need to step up. We need to feed ourselves. We need to take care of ourselves. And it's an awesome thing. And sometimes the best way God does that is to play hide and seek. And we hate it because it's like, God, where are you? You're like, you know, last year you were closer than my skin. Now you're farther than the moon. I mean, what's going on? It's like, where are you hiding, God? Uh, and, 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 and you realize as you begin to pray and as you begin to study, then you begin to realize the presence of God comes back. Because God wants to see, are you going to go back to the world or are you going to chase after me? Amen? So, um, so the baby sits in the nest seeing mom and dad soaring in the air with dinner in their mouths, but dinner flies by. Dinner circles around them while the baby screams, feed me, feed me. And so many Christians are like, feed me, God, I need something from you. And God's flying around. You see other people getting blessed. You see other people, you know, on fire for God. And you're saying, what's wrong with me, right? And you're like, and what God is trying to do, he's trying to get you so hungry that you're going to do something crazy and you're going to learn to soar for yourself. You're going to say, listen, I'm going to fly for myself. And it's like, and this is the way the eagle does it, all right? They don't get any food. Not only do they not get food, but the mother makes the nest uncomfortable to place to live in. She comes in, and she stirs it up, as passage says in Isaiah. She gets rid of all the warm feathers. She plucks off all her own chest, off her chest there. She pulls all that out of the nest. And all the grass goes. The soft hay goes. All the toys go out of the nest. And apparently the eagle, <laughs> that the eagle brings back when the the baby's young. Everything goes. No food, no comfort, no toys. And baby is on its own, and it wants to get out of that nest. And God did the same thing with the children of Israel. In Deuteronomy 32, 11, it says, like an eagle that stirs up the nest. God took them into the desert place to test them, the Bible says, to see in their distress if they were going to say, no, we're going to trust God because he delivered us here by his mighty power. So he's going to deliver us here. And instead of trusting in God, they murmured and they complained, right? And they failed the test. They fell from the nest, right? They didn't fly. How many say, I want to pass the test, right? Okay. So the baby eagle watches its parents fly until the moment that the nest is no longer comfortable and the unthinkable thing happens. If the baby does not jump out, the mother pushes the baby out. And panicking, it starts to hurtle to the ground. Ah! And it's about to hit the ground. And the, 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 the mama eagle or the daddy eagle, usually, the daddy eagle sometimes has to do it. The mommy says, you better catch my baby, right? Because what happens, if you, if you study eagles, you'll see that when the female eagle is looking for a husband, and they're the only birds, that, one of the only birds that mate for life. They're the covenant birds, the eagles. So it's a whole other sermon. Uh, but she, what she does is she gets little pieces of twigs, and she goes up high, high, high. She drops the twig, and she goes, fetch. And if that husband cannot catch the twig before it hits the ground, she goes, you're not good enough for me. And I think women should do, test men out a little better before they marry them. I'm telling you. Put some pressure. Say, you know, you don't got a job, you're not good enough because you won't be able to take care of my babies. When they fall and they need someone to catch them, you don't got a job, you're not, 
it's not, how many hear what I'm saying, right? And so the mama tests, so anyway, the baby's falling. Ah, it's about to hit the ground. And then all of a sudden, the last second, mama or daddy come down, and they snatch the baby up, put it on the wings, and takes it up to the high place again, and starts the procedure all over again. I don't know about you, but there's been times in my life where I'm crying out to God, God, save me, help me, save me, help me, I'm going to die, help me, help me. And at the last second, at midnight, right, God, one minute to midnight, God shows up. Amen? Isn't that awesome? And we hear people preach about that. Yeah, God shows up at the last minute. Well, it's not supposed to always be that way. Come out of the testing season. God wants you to soar for yourself, all right? And so here's a bird falling, and it happens again, and it happens again, because God wants to teach you how to fly. God doesn't want you to fail. Amen? God doesn't want you to fail. He wants to see you pass the test. So he'll just keep taking you up. Okay, hope he learns this time. Take you up. Right? And it's that process over and over again until we learn to fly. So the baby eagle watches his parents fly until the moment the nest is no longer comfortable. The unthinkable happened. The mother pushes the baby out. Panic sets in. Yeah, it starts to hurtle to the ground, seemingly plummeting to its death, but the parents have been hovering above and swooped down, lifting the bird and carrying it on its wings. And that's what God did for Israel. Even before they would crash and burn, he would catch them, even though they were in sin, even though they were worshipping Molech and uh, Ashtoreth, and they were doing all the things that are horrible, horrible, horrible things. You, uh, God would swoop down and rescue them. He, he, he's been so faithful through the generations that he's faithful today. And look what it says here. They do it over and over again until the little eagle gets more and more confident. Then the mother eagle does a beautiful thing. When it's time, she comes alongside the bird as it's falling, and she stretches the wings tip to tip, supporting the child. And this pattern is repeated and repeated and repeated until the baby eagle realizes that the wind will hold it up. And God wants to get us to a place where when we're falling, we realize that we... In a sense, we don't have to, God, save me. No, all we have to do is open our wings and in faith trust that the Spirit of God will take us through the crisis. God wants us to soar. Amen? So we have to open our wings and catch the wind of the Spirit. Okay? And so God wants us to soar in partnership with the Holy Spirit. And, um, and what does that look like practically? I'll give you a good example of that. When Peter and John uh, met the man at the beautiful gate, he was lame. Do you guys remember that? And they said, hey, we want some silver and gold. They were looking for money. What did Peter say to them? Silver and gold I don't have, but such as I have or what I have, I'll give it to you. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. There's a man. They came. They were heading to prayer. Here's a guy. that They knew how to fly, to soar in the spirit. They knew God's will. They, they freely we, we have, freely we give. And it wasn't, why didn't they stop? It's okay, well, we're going to have a prayer meeting and we'll get the whole church to pray for you. And we're going to ask God to heal you. No, they didn't, they didn't pray. He said, what we have, we give you. Get up and walk. And they pulled him up, and his feet and his legs became strong. Now, that excites me because that means, like, listen, I can get to a place where we're in partnership with the Holy Spirit to the place where we don't even have to ask anymore. We just know his will, and we know what he's doing because he's speaking to us, and we catch the wind, and we soar. Oh, I got, I got to go talk to that person. No problem. I'll go over there. Just pray with him. Go over here. Do that. You know what you need to say to your kids, to your family members. You just know because you're soaring. And his burden becomes light, and his yoke becomes easy. Isn't that good news today? And so I share all that today um, because we started this sermon talking about the fact that in him we have redemption. In him we come into his presence. Like God did it all, right? God did it for us, and all we have to do is enter in by faith. But the second part of my sermon was talking about, well, why, why then when, when, when I, I feel like I'm falling, why do I feel like God's not here? Chances are you're in flight school, and God's training you how to fly. And that's exciting. 
But instead of just falling and crying out to God, begin to open your wings by spending time in his presence, by spending time talking to him about your problems. Amen? When a crisis arises, get alone with God. Talk to God about it. Ask him to show you stuff in his word. The spirit and the word agree. The next thing you know, you'll begin to soar above your problems. You won't, it's not that you won't have problems, because in this world you will have troubles, but you'll be able to soar over them. Amen? Amen. Why don't we stand? Did you guys receive anything today? Yes. Amen. Well, let's give the Lord a hand. If you want to just play something, that'd be great. Psalm 103, verse 5 says here, it's really good. God says, he satisfies your mouth with good things. This is Psalm 103, verse 5. Why? So that your youth is renewed like the eagles. God, you want to renew us today, God. Your word is not a weapon. It's a healing balm. It's, it's, you send it to bring refreshing. You send it to bring strength. You send it because you, you want to cause us to soar upon your word, Lord. To open our wings and soar. And, and, and we, so, so many times we, we do it in our own strength. We're struggling to get by. So, God, I pray for a fresh visitation on every home and every person here today. If you want a fresh visitation, just lift your hands up right now. We're going to just pray for it. God, I pray for every person in this place that has their hand up. And even for those who haven't got their hands up, Lord, you would just come and bring a fresh visitation. That this word, God, would sink so deep in their hearts, oh God, that they would realize that maybe they've drifted a little bit from the shores of faith. That they can just believe, hey, God brought me in. God paid for me. God ransomed me. I don't have to strive in this thing. I just receive it by faith. And I trust you, God, that you're going to bring me through all the issues of my life. Help me to soar on the wings of your spirit. And God, I ask right now, Father, that you would just begin to show each person in their heart and in their mind what areas they have to learn to soar in. And what that should mean to them, God, because only you can do that, Holy Spirit. We love you. We ask that you seal this word, that the enemy will not steal it. Because every person here is called to be an eagle. It's called to be in covenant. It's called to soar above their problems. In Jesus' name. I pray the eyes be opened and that they will see the attacks of the enemy before they come. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Now, if you believe that prayer, I want you to say amen. 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 Now, if everyone could just bow your head for a moment. If you're in this place and you don't know that that sin nature has been cut off and you're really struggling with sin, you say, I don't even know if I'm a Christian. I don't know if I'm saved. I want to pray with you. And I'm not going to make you come to the front, but I'm going to get you to pray. We're going to all pray together. If that's you, lift your hands up. Lift your hand up. We're going to pray with you right now that God will touch you. Thank you, sir. I see your hand. I see your hand, sir. Okay, see three or four, five, six hands up. Okay, right now, I want everyone to pray this prayer with me. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you that you sent Jesus to die for my sins. I don't want to struggle anymore. I want you, Jesus, to be with the Lord and my Savior. Change my heart. Cut off the sin nature. Let everything be different when I wake up tomorrow. Let me know that I've been touched by you. And I call you the Lord and Savior of my life. Forgive me for all my sins and offenses. And send your Holy Spirit to take a place in my heart. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening. We hope that you enjoyed our message. If you are in the Quinty West area, we would love to have you visit us on Sunday morning at 24 Dundas Street West, Trenton, Ontario. 
check out our service times on our website at atthecrossroads.ca.